Suppose you wanted to get serious about innovative thinking. Specifically, you want to begin a structured way to get creative and harvest ideas for potential innovation. How will you achieve that goal? Wait around for good ideas to fall out of the sky, land on your head? Well, we know that good ideas can come that way, but instead of wishing for it to happen, you can implement a method to specifically encourage creativity and foster ideas to come. Today, I'll lay out the step-by-step process for you on this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and muser of metacognition, David Peterson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I have a question for you. What is the value of thinking? More specifically, do you or your organization value strategic or creative thinking? So kind of get this picture in your mind. You're, you're walking past a row of offices and, you know, you've got the glass wall so you can kind of look inside and see all of these different offices. And you pass an office where a mid-level manager is sitting back in their chair. They have their hands behind their head and they're looking up at the ceiling, but with their eyes closed. So maybe an hour later, you pass by, maybe, maybe it's the fourth time you've walked by that office and you think in your mind, why doesn't that person get off their butt and get to work? It's our natural reaction, but in fact, in that situation, you could be dead wrong. Maybe, just maybe, the supposed slacker was in full concentration and really, really thinking. If so, we should applaud and reward that behavior. But very, very few organizations do. Now, if you've been following this podcast, you know that I have created a definition for innovation, creativity expressed, manufactured, and consumed. That that first element, creativity, it's critical to get the process started. You have to get creative to think of an idea, to suggest how a process can be improved, to imagine some new product or service. You must be able to write your idea down or or at the very least, share it with someone. Yes, you still need to build it in. Of course, you know, you ultimately have to have consumption, but those steps only occur after the initial creativity has been thought of and expressed. Now, you can, you can probably think of numerous examples of people who claimed that they had ideas but couldn't articulate them or that had ideas that just couldn't be converted into anything useful. There are many, many examples of solutions that no one wanted to use. The organizations striving to innovate and rewarding employees for creative thinking is very rare. What would it take for you or your organization to join that select group. Hmm. 
Now, if you really want to come up with creative ideas, you should create a structure around creating those ideas. Is it possible that you might be minding your own business and a creative thought pops in, into your head? Sure. It, it, of course, it happens. But if your goal is to come up with creative ideas, can you rely on those serendipitous moments to fuel that creative thinking? Of course not. You need a system or rather a systemic method to come up with and harvest creative ideas. And today I'm going to share with you a system for personal or group creative activities. And I'm going to share that with you right now. I call this entire process think time. Think time is an excellent way to create structure around creative thinking. There are four elements required in order to allow true creativity to flourish. They are space, time, time, and self-confidence. I'm going to repeat it. Space, time, time, and self-confidence. All right, let's look at each one of these in turn. First, space. The typical office space or whatever workspace that you happen to uh, habitate contains uh, probably nothing that stimulates creativity. And moreover, your workspace is generally chock full of distractions. You have a desk phone, you have your mobile phone, you have email, text messages, stacks of paperwork to review, that, oh, that project report's due at three, so on and so forth. An even bigger distraction in the workplace is the ability for your co-workers to randomly drift into your space to chat you up. How are you supposed to get serious thinking done on creative ideas with all of those distractions? You need to escape this madness and the interruptions of everyday office life and find a space where you can think. Now, Companies like Amazon, Google, Apple, so forth, they, they create amazing thinking spaces specifically to spur creativity. Well, you may not be able to duplicate the whimsy of that kind of space, but regardless of what your organization is or your personal workspace, you can find a way to get to a space where you can separate yourself from all of that daily workflow and truly think. So let me give you some ideas. If you're in a typical office, it may have a boardroom, like, you know, an organization has a special room for board meetings, but it's probably not used, maybe even only one day a month. If you're allowed to use that, go in there and use it. Sitting there empty, it's a great place to go and think. An unused office. So let's say there's a, a office space, especially if it doesn't have the glass outer door. If you can go to an office space that is not used by anyone and close the door, then there is no reason for anyone to think anyone is in there. And so, you know, now you have your own little private space to think. A phone room. So I'm seeing a trend that a lot of businesses are creating these little small rooms that would allow some kind of a confidential phone call. A lot of times, workspaces are these bullpen of, of cubicles, you know, but if you needed to have a, a private call with a customer, you know, to, to minimize the noise, they've created these little phone booths. They're bigger than a phone booth, but it's basically essentially just a room where you can sit down. There's a little desk there or a, a, a counter and you can make a call. Well, okay, just go in there and close the door and flip the reserve sign over. It's pretty small, but that would be a place where you could personally use it for thinking. 
an interview room. And similar to the phone room, I see companies now create these little small spaces where they can have a one-on-one interview. And uh, it's a little bit bigger than the phone room. And so, again, if you have the option to grab one of those spaces, reserve it, and interview yourself, uh, you're going to do some thinking. Finally, the restroom. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but the amount of time that we actually spend in the restroom adds up to about two hours a week. Well, instead of reading or catching up on emails, why not use the techniques I'm about to share with you to get some real creativity done while you're in that space? It's an idea anyway. Not so long ago, I was up in the Midwest and I was visiting a large mortgage servicing company and I had occasion to use their restroom. And I saw that on the counter, you know, they had uh, four or five sinks there. On the counter, they had a stack of sticky notes and markers. And anyone could just write a note and stick it up on the mirror, right? So they were not doing this specifically to harvest ideas, but but you could, right? It's, it's sort of like a virtual suggestion box, only it's better because if I write a suggestion and put it in the box, nobody else sees my suggestion. But a sticky note on the mirror, somebody sees that, now they might think, ah, that's a crazy idea idea. Or they might go, that's a crazy idea, but you know what a good idea would be, right? So so this idea that ideas spur other ideas uh, is a strong one. So I thought that was pretty cool. So you understand now that the first element of think time is getting into a space with no distractions. I like to think of creativity like a tortoise. You know, if you think about a big, you know, one of those big tortoises, right? It's it sort of just very slowly sticks his head out and, and it's kind of looking around. Is everything safe? Do I, is there danger? Do I need to retreat back to my shell? He sticks his head out. No, no, it's okay. Creativity is like that. It, it needs to be comfortable to be able to come out. So getting into a space, even if it's, you know, something crazy like the restroom, will enable your naturally shy creativity tortoise to to come out and play. Okay, space. The next is time. It's necessary for you to specifically allocate time to think. Oh, it absolutely is true. You need to allocate time, meaning literally put it on your calendar to think. Put on your calendar from 11 to noon on Tuesday that you're going to be thinking. 11 to noon. Put it on your calendar. Tuesday. Thinking. At 11 o'clock on Tuesday, you leave your office and you're going to go to your space. I don't think I'm kidding about this. There's a huge difference between you saying, well, I think next week sometime, maybe Tuesday, you know, I'll I'll do some thinking and putting 11 o'clock on Tuesday on your calendar. Only that latter option is going to guarantee that you get thinking done. Trust me, if you don't have a specifically assigned time for it, you'll find some other excuse or things will happen that will push it aside. And it's not a bad idea to establish a weekly habit of thinking sessions. Think about this. Some of the biggest names in business regularly put time on their calendar to think. Here's a couple of ideas. Warren Buffett blocks off Tuesdays. Now, not 11 to 12 on Tuesday, but Tuesdays. And if you look at his calendar, that time is blocked off for haircut. So so Warren Buffett is planning every Tuesday to get a haircut. Well, okay, let's think about that for a minute. First of all, have you seen Warren Buffett's head? 
That guy, I mean, if he did get a haircut, it, I guarantee you it wouldn't take more than 10 minutes. So A, <laughs> he doesn't need a haircut every Tuesday, and B, it certainly wouldn't take all day. What's he doing? He has carved out that time that he uses for introspective thinking, strategic thinking. Bill Gates, uh, when he was actively working at Microsoft, took two weeks off, separate from all other vacation type stuff, but he had two weeks blocked off for thinking. Jeffrey Weiner, who is the founder of LinkedIn, has two hours every day blocked off for thinking. So this idea that you specifically put thinking on your calendar, uh, there are some pretty heavy hitters that do this on a regular basis. Now, one thing that you do need to resolve is what are you going to put on your calendar, right? So, so depending on where you are in the organization, if you're the CEO, you put thinking on your calendar. Well, you, hey, you're the CEO, right? You can do whatever you want. But, you know, what if you had thinking from 11 to 12 on Tuesday in your calendar and your boss looks at your calendar? Would would he or she expect that, that you're I don't know, mindless the other seven hours of the day? What would they think about, <laughs> about that time? So, you know, get creative. If you've got to call this something else so that you're not getting other people in a twist about it, fine. If you want uh, innovation-driven growth, IDG, put IDG session on your calendar. Nobody will know what that is, uh, but they'll assume that you're doing something important. You know, put that in there Tuesday, 11 to 12. Hey, Here's, here's an idea. If you're a manager, if you supervise people at all, uh, put review employee bonus program uh, Tuesday, 11 to 12. I guarantee that no one will bother you during that hour. All right. So it's 11 o'clock on Tuesday and you go to your designated space. So at 11.01, great ideas are going are gonna to start flowing, right? <laughs> no. No, it, it, you know, you get in there, it, it could take 10 or even 15 minutes for your mind to, to settle down. I mean, your, your mind is a jumble. You, you've got to get past remembering about the status report to your boss the afternoon, the call that you missed from accounting, and you got to pick up a gallon of milk on your way home and all that stuff. Just relax. I mean, this is this is your chance to do some deep breathing, uh, you know, and just kind of just kind of let your mind settle without really trying to think about anything. After some time, again, may might take ten or fifteen minutes. Your mind will start to kind of clear away all of that mental clutter, and you can begin to really think. So you might be focused on a specific topic or even a specific problem, and as you're thinking about that, then ideas uh, should come. Try as you're, you know, kind of thinking about it. Uh, your your right brain now is in a, in a position where it can really kind of get creative and some idea might pop into your head, right? Because you're really focusing on this problem or topic. So here's critical, super critical. Capture it. Whatever that thought is, whatever random thought it is, it doesn't matter what it is. Capture it. Capture it. Any and all ideas that come, and it doesn't matter how outrageous or silly are. You, you know, if you have an idea and uh, it's, it's crazy, whatever. No, write it down. Write it down. Now, I I personally write things down, so I've got like a pad of paper and you know, pen or pencil or whatever. But you might have, um, you know, your phone there if you want to make a voice memo of it, whatever. That's fine. But write it down. Don't self edit at all. Write it down and or speak it into the, the mobile device. Now, let me just make a little comment here about taking a mobile advice into your thinking space, 
So I get it that most of you are past or never got around to actually writing things down. You are mobile-centric. But I, I, I really caution you about taking your phone into your thinking space, right? So if you take it in there and you just have it set to memo, to do a voice memo, okay, I get it. But you, I mean, the urge for you to check your messages or to, you know, take a phone call or just even have it ring or whatever, that urge is so strong. It will totally distract you from thinking. It might take you another 10 or 15 minutes to kind of really get your brain back into the game. So, so if you're going to take a device into your space, put it in airplane mode. Put it in airplane mode so that no text, no emails, turn the ringer off, and literally only use it to record your ideas. So be serious about this time of thinking and make sure that you are proactively removing all distractions. Whatever you do, write down or capture your ideas. So think about earlier, one of the earlier podcasts, we talked about brain science, right? You have the left brain, you have the right brain. We talked about that, right? Your right brain can generate amazing, really creative insights, but it's not in charge of memory. It'll come up with some gem of an idea and, and then it moves on. You will literally drive yourself crazy trying to remember a brilliant idea that you did not write down, right? Write your ideas down. Capture them. Please capture the idea or kiss it goodbye. Or as somebody recently told me, I love this. I love this quote. The shortest pencil is greater than the longest memory. Okay, space time. What was the third one? Oh, yeah. Time. <laughs> no, it's not a mistake. I know we just talked about time, but this is not duplicate. It's not an error. This is different. This is time as in use all available time. So remember, you book from 11 to noon to think. So let's say you go in your space and 10 minutes later, your mind sort of calms down. You start thinking about a particular problem and at 1120, bam, this amazing idea comes in your head. Eureka! You write it down. But as you're writing it down, you're, you're already thinking, wait a second, this is it. This is the solution that we're looking for. And at that moment, your natural inclination is to run out of the space and begin telling everyone or working on the implementation of this new idea. Don't do that. See, you allocated from 11 to 12 to think. So what's the harm? What, what's the urgency of you running out there right now? Use from 11 to 12 and continue thinking. Because in reality, maybe that idea isn't the whole idea. Maybe that's just the start of the idea, a seed of a great solution. And it needs more thought to really kind of properly grow into innovation or innovative fruit. Maybe you'll come up with another idea that's even better than the first one, sort of that iteration of an idea spurring an idea. Perhaps the original idea right, it is sort of that seed. And then as you, and remember, it's 1120. Now, by the time you get to 12, your idea has greatly improved. The, the things that you were able to come up with in that additional thinking far exceeds the original idea. This is a difficult process because once you've come up with a solution, your left brain kind of wants to shut things down. Like, hey, got it, solved, go. But you've got to overcome that and really give the right brain more time for creativity. 
And let me give you an example. Every, every summer, I serve on the faculty of the Graduate School of Banking at the University of Colorado, GSBC. And, oh, man, this is an amazing time where, where I can work with um, – uh, financial institution professionals from uh, mostly from west of the Mississippi. So I teach two classes there, a technology class and an innovative thinking class. Very forward, by the way, of GSBC to actually have that innovative thinking class in their curriculum. So in the innovation class, I will actually give the students a challenge, right? So I give them a piece of paper, it's got uh, numbers with blank spaces for answers, one through 20. And I say, give me 20 unique answers to the following question. What is half of 13? Give me 20 answers to what is half of 13. So think about that for a minute. You, you can stop the podcast right now. Get a piece of paper out and you write down right now how many answers you can come up with for half of 13. I'll, I'll pause right here and I'll give you the chance to get that done. Ready? Go. Hey, welcome back. How many did you come up with? Did you did you get 20? Did you get even 10? In my GSBC class, I'll let them work on this for a couple of minutes. And then I'll say something like, oh, by the way, those of you that are conjuring up, you know, complicated math problems that all equal six and a half, those all count as one answer six and a half. <laughs> wow, you can just really hear the whole room groans, oh, whatever, right? So, you know, they'll write down six and a half and they'll write 13 divided by two and, you know, whatever. Well, all of those just are six and a half, right? So let's go back to the, the brain. That left brain understands that when I say half of 13, hey, that's a math problem. And I know the answer, six and a half. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's all the left brain has. It's done, solved, move on. The right brain can come up with a lot more imaginative alternatives, but it's, it's again, got to overcome the dominance of the left brain and get it out of the way. So that's why you have to press forward and not let your, ooh, this is it, I'm done, and let the right brain continue coming up with other ideas, right? So, you know, 13 divided by 2 is not a creative new idea. It's just another way to express six and a half. Well, what would be a creative idea for what is half of 13? How about one and three? Those are half of 13. What about X and III? That would be half of 13 if you express 13 as a Roman numeral. What about thir and teen if you literally chopped the word 13 in half? Hey, here's my all-time favorite, half of a baker's dozen. Beautiful. Now, so you get the idea that that if you really want to get creative, the, the problem in this statement is what does the word half mean and whether or not it's strictly a math problem or if there's other ways to look at it. All I'm suggesting to you is that this is an example of why you need to press and not immediately run out of the room, run out of your space when you come up with an idea and keep thinking and improve on and come up with more ideas. Now, quick little aside here. Sometimes you have an issue or a problem that is uh, time pressure, that's urgent, uh, right? So if there's a, a water pipe and it bursts and it's pouring in on all your computer servers, right? And, and you can quickly come up with the idea of how to shut the water off. 
You don't need to spend another 59 minutes thinking of other ideas to shut off the water, right? That It's like, <laughs> that's the example. It's like a kid's about to run across the street into the path of a car. You don't need to do uh, uh, all available time. <laughs> you need to snatch that kid back. So, so in crisis situations, right, we have to act quickly. But the vast majority of the things that we're trying to get creative are have no such urgency. No such urgency. So we can spend all available time and get really thinking and create creative and innovative solutions. All right, where are we? Space, time, the other time. Oh, of course, last but not least, self-confidence. Nothing kills creativity more than self-doubt. We get so worried about what someone will think of our ideas. We, we think of an out there idea. And, and as soon as we have it even in our brain, we start wondering, what's the boss going to think about it? Uh, it's, it's too radical. And you know, that Jim from accounting, he'll hate it. Even when no one else is participating in a brainstorming session, we're just by ourselves. We tend to self-edit our ideas based on what we perceive that others We'll think about it. It's an idea killer. We spend our whole adult lives taking on the mores and decorum of work life, and then that presses, oppresses our creativity. It's important that it, as companies, or if you're a senior leader, you must realize that the work culture is itself limiting, severely limiting innovation. Hey, if you're just a worker looking for your company to have this realization, don't hold your breath. Now, think about this for a minute. What people, what types of people do you know that are most, the most inherently creative and who could care less about how crazy or odd their ideas are? Think about all the kinds of people you know who are inherently the most creative and could care less what other people think. Children. Children, if you want to get serious about creativity, take on the persona of a child on the playground. When we watch kids play, they have an innate and unbounded curiosity. They'll make up games. They'll take on personas. They'll create unbelievable scenarios on which to build their play without any shame or self-doubt. Not long ago, my wife went to the school to pick up our granddaughter. She was a little early, and so she was just kind of watching all the kids playing on the playground and was astounded to see our granddaughter, this petite six-year-old, super intelligent girl bossing around some kind of older kids. And apparently she had seen some pirate movie maybe recently, and she had a stick and she was wielding it as a sword. She was the captain, and she completely owned that persona. And she didn't care who was watching or what they thought about her. Now, somewhere along the way, we learn or are forced to understand that this type of play is, well, this is just not what an adult does. This is not what we do here. And so we kill creativity in the face of this unimaginative decorum in office behavioral norms. Only when we return to our childlike, unhindered thinking will true creative ideas flow. Be bold with your thinking. Don't self-edit. So space, time, time, and self-confidence. That's the formula for unlocking creativity. 
If you're a senior manager, you can absolutely make this a part of your workspace. You, you could go after this podcast, you could go make it happen. You could create a, a thinking space, even if it's not like Amazon's, but you can create a, a, a thinking space and encourage its use. You can make sure that a minimum amount of think time is built into each of your report's weekly schedule. You can reward employees who embrace thinking and give high praise to new procedures, products, and services that come out of creative thinking. But even if big, huge, wonderful, earth-shattering ideas don't come, praise everyone who embraces strategic thinking. Stop wasting time coming up with excuses for why it won't work and start a project to make think time an integral part of ongoing problem resolution. Now, if you're just somebody who's in a cube and you you don't supervise anyone, you don't have the ability, you find the time. It it might be an hour before work starts and you get early. It might be taking a lunch break one day of the week. You can choose to do this personally and do this for your own without the direction or, or approval of anyone else. And then when somebody says, hey, does anyone have an idea about how we can improve X? Maybe you've done some thinking on that and you're ready with one or more ideas and you'll see some eyebrows raised going, holy cow, how did he or she come up with that? Well, they don't necessarily have to know that you've spent hours strategically thinking about topics. They can just be impressed by your genius. Now, here's a little aside. Some of you out there might be Monty Python fans. If you're listening to this podcast, you never heard of Monty Python. I feel I feel an aching in my heart. Please go out and Google Monty Python. They were a British troop from back in the 60s. They were amazing. They're earth, earth shatterings and breaking all kinds of ground in sketch comedy. But if you are a, a Python fan, you may recognize that the space-time-time self-confidence sounds suspiciously similar to a concept that John Cleese of Monty Python fame offered as a formula of comedy. And you would be right. John's method for comedy writing has served for the inspiration of my codification of this think time. Now, John used to write uh, Monty Python sketches with another Python, Graham Chapman. So the two of them were kind of like a writing team. So they would go to Graham's house, a space, at a specific time time, and they would write down sketch ideas, and then they would share ideas with each other and then collaborate to come up with the final sketches. Now, John writes in his memoirs that he knew, he knew that Chapman was a way more gifted writer than he was and and came up with better ideas. John Graham always had better ideas, but what would happen is they would maybe allocate two hours to sit and come up with ideas, and they would do that each on their own. So, 30 minutes in, Chapman has five ideas, and he goes, sits by the pool and smokes his pipe. Cleese works on the entire two hours, rethinking and refining ideas, spurring ideas from ideas. So at the end, John's sketches ideas were more often the seed of sketches that are now Monty Python classics, but only because he spent all of the available time in his thinking. (laughs) Separate from all the laughter John Cleese has brought to my life, I sincerely thank him for the idea of think time. How will you incorporate think time this week? Will you take up the challenge of incorporating personal think time into your weekly schedule? 
Scientists have discovered that it takes about 30 ideas to come up with one good one. (laughs) How in the world did they study that? 30 ideas to come up with one good one. I don't know how they did it, but let's assume that it's true. What that really means is, is you need 29 bad ideas on average to get a good one. So get busy. Stop trying to think of good ideas and just think of ideas. Uh, All the time I have people that come up and and talk to me. They know that I, I talk and speak and write about innovation and innovative thinking. And they'll say, David, how do you, you know, how do you come up with these ideas? I, I just don't seem like I'm coming up with any good ideas. And I say, well, how many bad ideas have you thought of? They look at me like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you come up with 29 bad ideas this week? Because if it takes 30 ideas to get a good one, it's not. the problem is that you're not thinking of good ideas. You're just not thinking of enough ideas. Start thinking about ideas. And, and and get 29 bad ones and or 30 bad ones or 50 bad ones or 100 bad ones or whatever it takes and then that one that you think ooh 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 wait this is this could be a good one it might just be the seed of one so think about it some more and refine it hone it and then take it to some others and get into a group brainstorming session and and don't be don't for a minute think that some idea that you have that is so small so minor Uh, that it's not going to have an impact because just a tiny little process change that's repeated over and over by you or your coworkers could add up to hundreds of hours of time savings for you and your organization. Now, if if you struggle, if you say, David, I'm going to I'm going to put this think time into effect, if you struggle and you can't seem to get it going, or if you have an idea, if you're like, David, that's interesting, space, time, time, self, uh, self-confidence. But I think I've got some ideas that would improve on your think time. I want to hear from you. So here in a minute, you're going to hear my contact information. Reach out to me and let me know what you think. If I can help you incorporate think time into your daily or weekly schedule, or if you have ways to improve on the think time whole idea and concept, the method, I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.